welcome to another edition of uh, Richard Abraham's Unlock Your Mental Health. And joining me today is Miranda Arie. Have I said it right? You've said it perfectly. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> now, Miranda, um, obviously I did a bit of research on you. And um, Are you up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, look, looked, <laughs> uh, looked on your website and uh, I'm just going to... Um, to read it out actually because you're a very busy person award-winning mental health activist mm -hmm. a coach bbc radio presenter singer-songwriter motivational speaker uh, you've written books you're the founder and creator of the heroes program do you get time to sleep not much at the moment, no. Well, do you know what, actually? I sleep very well after a day of doing things I love. And that sounds like a lot, but it's all stuff that I love so much that I'm just vibed up by it rather than burnt out by it. And I think that's the real, I think that's the real magic of not getting burnt out is making sure that you do things you really love. And well, I feel yeah. very fortunate to do that because it's not been the case my whole life, really, that I've, well, I've always been able to do the things that I love. Yeah, so on today's podcast um, will be looking at your story because everybody's got a story mm. a backstory um looking at how you got into the whole area of mental health um possible tips for people that are stressed out at the moment um discussing alternatives to going to the gp uh, if you have a problem and um identifying these terms like stress and trauma and anxiety. So tell us a bit about your um, childhood days. Yeah, well, I, I guess like my journey, particularly into mental health, certainly started in my childhood. I was a very, very, very anxious child and I had quite a difficult home life um, and quite a difficult time at school. Um, and Particularly what led me into the field of mental health was when I my mental health took a real turn for the worse when I was around about 14 years old. I was under the child and adolescent psychiatric unit at St. James's Hospital as an outpatient. I ended up running away from home so many different times and eventually got put in foster care. And shortly after that, I got sectioned under the Mental Health Act into Hyroids Hospital mm. uh, in Yorkshire. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I mean, maybe uh, not familiar on a, 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 as familiar yes, level as I yes. am. Uh, yeah, Hyroids is uh, well known. Yeah. It's very well known. Like, mm. yeah, for those who don't know, it's a, a big domineering building. It's now Swanky Flats. Um, sorry if I'm breaking that to you for the first time, uh, if you live in one of those flats. But... Yeah, I was in the adolescent psychiatric unit called Linton House at High Roads Hospital. And I lived in there for around about nine months. And it was a really, really, really difficult time, as you can imagine, because I didn't have... <laughs> I hadn't settled long enough in foster care to have a, a secure attachment with my foster parents. I didn't have a secure relationship with my mum. So I was kind of in there on my own. And, you know, bringing up my own daughter, who's now nearly 17, she's going to be 17 in about 15 mm, days or something. Awesome. It's really made me realise I was a child. I was a child uh, back then and I didn't really have anyone to advocate for me. And it was, it was coming from someone who was already quite a traumatised child, I would say, in many different levels. It was a very traumatic experience for me in hospital. You know, the, the stories that you see on the films are true. I was locked in a padded cell. I was pinned down and restrained. There was um, drugs forced on me that, that are now banned for under 18-year-olds. So there was a lot going on in there for me. 
But for many years, I carried a lot of anger about, you know, I'm a victim of this system and, you know, but then I started to shift that anger into passion and it started firing me, firing me up with this will to just want to change things for the better in the mental health system. That's what I want to dedicate my life to. And I want to reach as many people who are suffering as possible in this life um, with, you know, with the program that I've created and with the, the ways in which I'm working and trying to raise awareness. And so now I hold great gratitude for that experience in my life um, because I'm alchemizing it. And for those who don't know what alchemizing means, uh, do you know what alchemizing no. Alchemization, it's like the process of turning dirt into gold mm. or coal into gold or something. So it's, that's as scientific as I'm going to get on this entire right. podcast. But I guess it's using that pain and making it into purpose. So the alchemizing it. Right. Just, just, just going back a stage, uh, because I've read some of your literature, some of your hero's work, and you actually made the point the point I was going to ask you was that does mental health come from specific traumas that you encountered or and the genetic disposition or yeah. the, the genes that you have? Because you said you were quite a traumatised person anyway, although yeah. and you had a trauma. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a really, really interesting point that about intergenerational trauma. Um, you know, it's that age old question of nature versus nurture. What is it? Is it the way that we're brought up that creates our conditioning or is it something that we're predisposed to through our genes? And I guess that there is a lot of research that's done around ancestral trauma, you know, um, DNA that's passed down, you know, people who've been through the mm -hmm. Holocaust, you know, the, the genetically, if you look at epigenetics, it's called, I said I wasn't going to get any more scientific. <laughs> But you know, if you stop if you, showing, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm not clinical in uh, any way. Yeah. Like, uh, but you know, um, if you look at if you look at that, the DNA actually does change um, through trauma. However, the way that I work for sure, and the thing that's helped me is really look at the conditioning, the life experiences that we've had, um, that condition us in certain ways. Because if we are brought up by someone who is traumatized, if we're brought up by somebody who's very, very distressed themselves, might have a mental health condition themselves, they are not going to be able to be present or attuned with their child. And in those early developmental years, we need a caregiver who is attuned to our experience. And what I mean is someone who is with us in that experience. If we don't have that, and this can occur not just from a parent being mentally ill, but from a parent being too busy or a parent being absent or, you know, trauma is not always something that happened to us. You know, um, trauma is sometimes the absence of something that we needed. So I guess that, you know, trauma passes down in that way as well. So looking at life experiences that we've encountered and beliefs we might have created about ourselves in response to those life experiences can be very helpful to unpick trauma um, and try and change those stories we created. So you were traumatised because of the way you were being brought up by potentially traumatised parents, yeah. which... In simple terms, if children, um, in the majority of cases, are brought up in a an environment that is warm, caring, secure, etc., etc., the chances of them 
moving forward and having a reasonably normal type of life, it does help. Yes, absolutely. And I think the word that you use there, which is very important, is the word secure. Mm. And uh, if you look at, you know, attachment theory, you know, that the way that as as a little child in those formative years, we are looking for attachment, we're looking for attunement. And in spaces where we're unable to securely attach, you can you can liken it to, you know, for me, my inner child, I do a lot of inner child work, which I'm sure we'll, we'll go into, you know, in time. Um, my inner child has frantically throughout my adult life been looking for to attach to someone to for security, like you say, for secure attachment. And it's for me, it's almost felt like the only way I can describe it is looking for some hard land for me to anchor into so I feel okay because I didn't have that growing up. Whereas if a child is brought up with security, they know they've got a parent to turn to when they're distressed. They know they're going to get the comfort when they need it. They know that they're going to get encouraged and and um, rooted on. They know that their needs and feelings and wants are going to be listened to. That brings a really secure environment. I would say it's a sweeping statement, but they're way less likely to develop mental health problems. That child is way less likely to develop mental health problems than a child who doesn't have that secure attachment. Um, but but the, the thing that's powerful is that we can look to change our attachment style and the security that we feel in adulthood, but we have to know how. And, and so part of that mental health recovery journey will always be about education, I believe, personally. Um, education over medication, I, I would say, you know, although medication can help. Yeah. <laughs> so on that point, uh, you obviously, just fast forwarding here, um, went on to write your Heroes programme. And you've said it yourself, you are not a psychologist. You are not a um, psychiatrist. And you haven't got any formal qualifications as such to um, facilitate and coach for mental health, but you do, so much so that you've actually introduced this programme into the NHS. Um, That's pretty good, Miranda. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. (laughs) I'm not saying you're a fake. (laughs) Yeah. But how and what are people buying into? Yeah. Do you know what? The, the main thing that we've heard about what people are buying into through Heroes that supports them to trust it as, as a treatment that really works to support people to heal, which we've seen time and time again, is the fact that it was grown out of lived experience. Mm. So so the, the idea that, you know, you could go to university for eight years and get a degree and study textbook after mm. textbook, immerse yourself in mm. doctorhood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it will never, ever, ever be able to teach you what it's like to go through the depths of suffering that you're brought to your knees in the in the plight of a mental breakdown mm. or the feeling of, of, of not feeling worthy or believing in yourself and the pain that that brings and being so low that you m- may want to even end your life. Mm. There's... And, and having that lived experience, there is such a value in lived experience, which is something that I really believe the mainstream mental health system has missed out time and time again, because they have looked for people running services to have letters after their name, a master's in this, PhD, don't even really know what it means, you know, and I'm not ashamed of that at all, you know, and there, there has been a certain element there of, you know, 
um, the mental health system needing to be run by doctors. And I believe they're really missing a trick with that mm. because really until services are designed and developed by people who have experiences of going through those services, going through those experiences, surviving through trauma, we are not going to have a treatment that resonates and we are not going to have a treatment that is authentic. And that's what we're looking for. And I think that's what people really latch onto with Heroes is that it's authentic. Every word in that book I wrote with so much love because I feel so deeply I understand so deeply how painful it is to live with complex trauma. Mm. Having experienced mental health uh, problems myself in the past, I find it very comforting, rewarding to chat to, whether it be friends or relations or people that I don't really know, uh, to help them with their issues and feel that you know, they don't really need a psychiatrist to talk to because I've got the experiences mm. of how bad it can be and where I can help them. On the flip side, my daughter would probably challenge that as she is studying uh, clinical psychology and she's done a master's and she's going on to get a PhD. And she would say to me, Dad, it's great that you can help people. That's fantastic. But do you know the, uh, you know, the specific um, uh, theory on ADHD or mm -hmm. what to look for? You know, so, so she would probably say, I'm sorry, you've got to be qualified. Uh, and that's a good little chat and a little disagreement that I have with her. Another interesting point is um, about sort of theory versus practice. I did a, man a business management degree, and after four years, the senior lecturer said to us, well, you know, thanks for coming. You're going out in the real world now. By the way, you'll probably take 6% of this degree out in the real world with you. I thought, I've sat here for four years. <laughs> but but where I learn the skills are on the job. So yes. we, we could... Great this point. Is, we, this well is an made. interesting sort of argument. Yeah. So with heroes in general or well I say read the book etc is there a one fit for all i.e there are a lot of people with different problems Miranda you know whether it be the underprivileged or someone that's just come out of prison whether it's be a businessman that's got um issues um, whether it's um, a girl with uh, menopausal problems, whatever it is, or a boy with menopausal problems, um, um, <laughs> can this be for everyone or does it need tailoring? Ah, an interesting point. Now, I believe it can be for everyone who's presenting with mental health problems, for sure. And we've seen throughout the pilot of Heroes through developing and honing it over the years that we did throughout the BHR primary care network in Leeds and um, for patients across the most deprived areas in Leeds. We saw people who may just be presenting with work stress or OCD to people who've encountered 
violent sexual abuse in childhood to people who've been through grief, pain, loss. We had such a wide array of people. So over that time, after every single session, I was able to hone it and hone it and hone it to make sure it's accessible for everyone. And the exercises that are in there and the sessions that are in there are all designed to support people remember the truth of who they are and try and identify, expose and then release the beliefs they might have created about themselves as a response to difficult things that have happened in their lives. So, for example, you know, um, if, if I look at some of the beliefs, I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds of beliefs which I've had to work on throughout the years, you know. Heroes is a result of all the work I did on myself and my own recovery journey. The stuff that worked for me, I've put in there. And, you know, some of my beliefs were, you know, if I ask for my needs to be met, I will be punished. I had a fear of death around asking ever for my needs to be met. But the only way I was able to change that and grow into the quite assertive woman that I am now, you know, the majority of the time is by really witnessing, oh my God, this child in me created a belief that, it was very frightening and life-threatening for me to ask for my needs to be met and, and hold compassion for that part, not curse that part, but hold compassion for that part and say, God, you've been trying to keep me safe all this time. I'm going to take it from here. So there's this gentleness about the work, not attack. And that would work for anybody, recognising what are the beliefs, because we all have beliefs about ourselves, which turns into our identity. And our identity dictates the choices that we make in this world. And the choices that we make in this world dictate the external world we create for ourselves, where we live, the partner we take, uh, what age we decide to have children. It dictates everything, the way we see ourselves and the way we view the world. And that's all dictated by conditioning. So it's work that we can all do. However... I know that we've had conversations for sure and we've had conversations with uh, another team member of ours, you know, um, within Heroes around it would be amazing to have Heroes. We've got the Heroes Network set up online now. It would be amazing to have tailor-made Heroes. So we are looking at potentially creating a Heroes specifically for ADHD, a Heroes specifically for men mm -hmm. because there might be a different approach with mm -hmm. the self-compassion there mm -hmm. because obviously I've written it as a woman. We've had many men through, we've had amazing successes, but would it be great to do a men's? Uh, and mm -hmm. that's why, you know, it'd be great to work with you on that. Sure. And I, I know we've had conversations exactly. around that men's mental health. I'd love to get involved with ADHD that. Yeah. and, you know, create one specifically for people who've been through grief or recently or... So, so heroes as as um, as a program can certainly be uh, tailored for for different groups of people. Um, so, I'm really really excited about these next stages of how it's going to develop. Now, the program is fully out there in the world, mm. and it's it's established now at a couple different primary care networks in Leeds, which is amazing. It's spanning quite a wide area of Leeds at the moment, and and. I am completely tunnel visioned to get that expanded further. Mm. Well, hopefully further. we'll have a Heroes podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. Watch this space. Yeah. A lot of the um, stuff you touch on in the manual, et cetera, is about change. Um, and um, the, this this concept of that, you know, if you just keep doing the same old thing, you'll get the same results. Um, are people, well, I know they are, scared of change um and because of that they often don't give it their sort of the full monty as it were uh or or their full go at, at trying something 
um, take the business I'm in, which is sales, um, classic that, you know, if you don't go for the close or ask for the order, then you'll never know what the answer is. But mm -hmm. those inexperienced salespeople or those that are not really sort of then they might not just ask for the order because of fear of rejection. Uh -huh. Is that the same? Is that the same in life in general? Yes. Yeah, so you're definitely right. A huge part of heroes and a, an intertwining theme that runs throughout it is the idea of managing change because we want to support people. It's running a, a motivational coaching style. We want to support people to move forward with their lives and break these patterns, break these cycles that they might have created. You know, because like you just said, you know, if we keep doing the same thing again and again and again, we're going to get the same results, and we all have goals that we want to achieve. And it goes back to that point about supporting people to recognize the core beliefs that they've got playing on repeat in their minds. Like you use that example just then of that salesman who might have this, you know, uh, Michigas, <laughs> might, the, the salesman who yeah. might have this core belief uh, running around his head that, oh my God, I might be rejected. I might lose that deal if I do push myself. It's about supporting people to release those beliefs. And it's going to require that we step out of the comfort zone. It's always going to require that we do something that we might feel afraid of, you know, and this is why people do stay stuck because they, they, it can feel, like I said before, the fear of death almost. Like, so I, as a little girl, created a belief about me amongst hundreds of others. If I ask for my needs to be met, I will be punished. So much fear around doing that. I didn't just suddenly realize I had that belief and then suddenly go, I'm going to go ask for my needs to be met now. Great. It was terrifying. My whole nervous system in my body was wired to fire off an alarm of intense threat and panic around the idea of asking for my needs to be met. So much so that I wasn't even, even able to say no when I meant no. I went through my whole life saying yes to things I didn't want to do and feeling like, oh, I've got to do that thing that I said I'd do and I don't really want to. So much of my life was like that. And again, to to support people to create change in their lives, we have to educate them that it's not always going to feel easy. And we do not want to wait for the fear to go to do the thing that scares us. Mm. It's about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. It's a cliche because it's true. <laughs> you know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the taking action in spite of the fear. And the more that you can teach yourself that you can do it with the fear, the better. That's where we start expanding in this life. That's where we start growing. That's where we start offering more service to the world. That's where we start achieving the goals we want. And none of us are here to live a life like this. Not a single person is here to live a life like this. So we need to remind people of the truth of who they are and motivate and support people, encourage them, root for them to grow. And through heroes, regarding the managing change stuff, we have set exercises within there for people to support the healing of others. So we have the whole room is very motivational. No matter what trauma is coming up in that space, there's plenty of set exercises in there where we guide people to root for the healing mm. of each other. And this is the power of group work. This is something that one-on-one -on -one support does not have. I, I, I don't want to be mistaken. I'm not, I'm not slagging off psychotherapy or psychiatry or anything like that. So much power in all these modalities. They're just different ways. And, and psychiatry might work for one person. Medication might work for one person. CBT, beautiful, beautiful. You find what works for you. But for me, I have a passion for group work because I do not believe that healing can be complete until we 
have the opportunity to support the healing of others. Mm. And we get that in group work because we can root for other people. You mentioned CBT um, and uh, following uh, getting better from my uh, mental health um, times. <laughs> my <laughs> uh, mental health times. Uh, yeah, I'm still yeah, in those bad times. times yeah. um, <laughs> I'm definitely still mental. My whole uh, life is one big <laughs> mental health time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, or being poorly. Um, yeah. And uh, you have to be well to go and do CBT because you've got to sort of uh, understand the concept. But I took a lot from it. And it was all to do, well, it ties in from the change thing. It's all to do with, obviously, the thought processes and where those go. Uh, but I am a different character following CBT um, and a lot more decisive in mm-hmm. the decisions that I make. Um, I used to, you know, go around asking 10 people what they thought, you know, because I was I was a bit upset about, um, I, I was a bit concerned about upsetting somebody. It, it, it supported uh, you to feel safe. Right. We so do things that, like that. Just going with a gut feeling, that's a big thing I do now. But the other thing Beautiful. is that um, literally, um, with no fear of rejection, I will get on the phone or send that email or do whatever I have to to try and get that decision or go somewhere or do something which before... I'd have so many fears about actually doing it, I wouldn't do it. So actually, um, it wasn't a bad thing that I went through some awful times because I learned quite a lot after it. Is that what you find with a lot of your clients, patients and yourself? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's again, it's that taking that pain, making it into purpose. And sometimes the people who've been through the most traumatic things in their lives, they're the people that we see transform the fastest because they've got more to work with. They've got more opportunities because they're triggered more. (laughs) So they've got more opportunities for healing. And I like to frame all triggers as an opportunity for healing. You know, um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to anybody. I've been on a long journey with my own mental health. I've lived my whole life in recovery. I've written programs. I've supported the healing of many, many people. And I'm very high functioning in this life in inverted commas. I still suffer. And sometimes I'm still brought to my knees in suffering. Sometimes, you know, I I still get overtaken by fear. You know, I'm not willing to lie to anyone about that. But this is the power. This is the power of knowing that recovery is not linear. Recovery is not an end point to get to. It's this journey that we go on. And knowing now within me, when I do go through these difficult times because of the work I've done on myself and because of the way I've resourced myself, tooled myself up, educated myself through the tools that are in Heroes particularly, I'm able to almost, the energy in me when I go through a difficult time, it's almost like I'm running into the storm. I can't describe it any other way, that I'm running into that storm instead of running away from it. And... There's some level of an energy of embracing going on and an embodying of the pain rather than a shunning away from it and dissociating from it, which I used to do. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference there. Um, and, you know, trauma is stored in the body. That's why, you know, there's the famous book called The Body Keeps the Score is very well researched. You know, trauma stores in the body. So allowing ourselves to fully, fully feel those feelings is so powerful. I never used to do that. 
I was so disconnected from my body. You know, there's still some moments where I find myself being in that, but the awareness is the key. Mm. And then we do something about it and we come out bigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we expand sure. and expand throughout each of those trigger yeah. episodes. Can I just ask you something as well? Yes. What was it from the CBT that you learned or developed that that supported you in able in being able to change that way of us particularly around the decision making? Um well um I sat in the CBT session, the one to one, and we went through various examples of my thought processes. So, for example, um, started feeling not so good physically. I had a symptom, um, a fuzzy head or shaking legs or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. So my thought process was, being a hypochondriac, of course, there's something (laughs) wrong with me physically. So that led to the fact that what's wrong with me? Let's see if we can Google it. Oh, I've got a neurological disease. So I've got that. What happens then? Um, I'm going to be ill. Mm-hmm. Who's going to look after the business? I'm getting more anxious mm-hmm. and, and the vicious circle continues. However, let's just rewind. Thought process. I've got... My legs are a bit shaky. Oh, my heartbeat, whatever it is. Maybe I'm a bit anxious because of X. It's nothing. It'll pass. It's down to mental health in general. Let's not sort of get too excited about it. Let's push it away. Let's go and do some exercise. Oh, it's gone. Thank you very much. I'm back on stream. So that was just an example Mm. of how the thought process for me got rid of the anxiety straight away. Mm. Sort of a part of the decision-making is, I suppose, let's look at it. What's the worst that can happen? Somebody says no. But what's the best thing that can happen? So the what, yes. in simple terms, the CBT allowed me to look at different arrows and where, where things were going. It's quite yeah, simple, beautiful. but very powerful. It's the reframing. Yeah. Did that make sense? Yes, it did. It's mm. really, really beautiful way of putting it. It's like this, this power that we all have within our thought processes. You know, a lot of people, as, all of us as human beings, we somehow think that the external world is happening to us. Things mm. are happening mm. to me. But actually what we need to recognise is the way we perceive the world is happening to us. The world we see is up here and we always have the choice of how to frame something. So even if something's difficult happening, you know, it's shaking in the leg, we're affected by our thoughts in that only. The way we frame it is going to affect, have a knock-on effect. Mm. And it's this, yeah, this power of reframing. Is that what it is, this sort of power of reframing that you learn to, mm. to see things another way, to tilt the head a little and go, actually, you know, it, it's something, a really huge theme that's come up recently, like with a few groups that I've run, is around this idea of choosing the love for what we do want over the fear for what we don't. So, for example, we could be going into a situation going, oh my God, I'm so scared this is going to happen. I'm so scared this is going to happen. But instead, taking it to the thought and going, I would be so excited for this to happen, the other outcome. I'm so excited for this to happen and retraining the brain to look, because it's the same situation. Mm. Well, I mean, listen, (laughs) uh, 
prior to be get uh, to me getting married, and and my wife would disagree that I never had any girlfriends beforehand. But <laughs> in the dating game, okay. So if I knew about CBT, then going down the arrows, well, went out with a girl. Um, she didn't want to go out on a second date. So where did that leave my thoughts of rejection mm. of what's wrong with me? Do I really want to go out looking again and get rejected? But actually turn it on its head. The arrow goes the other way. Maybe she wasn't for me anyway. As it happens, she's ended up with a lunatic or whatever. So, so, <laughs> but, so and I feel better now. You see what I mean? So I think yeah. it's, it's a great tool. It's, it's a great tool. It's high vibe. Um, so Miranda, someone listening or watching this podcast, um, there may be one or two. Um, Me and you. (laughs) What's the alternative to going to your GP if you're not feeling very good? So, so much you can do. So much you can do. Um, We can have an internal conversation. You know, really the only relationship that we ever have in this life is the one we have with ourselves. That might sound a bit radical, but really other relationships with others are all reflecting how we feel about ourselves anyway. On that point, I'm just going to put my glasses on and read something from your book to say that the relationship you have with yourself is the most important one you're ever going to have in your life. Let's make it a good one. Just elaborate on that point. So, you know, we all have a relationship with ourselves. We all have an inner dialogue that's either tearing us down or it's building us up and we have to choose wisely. People talk a lot about needing help from an external coach, psychologist, psychiatrist, counsellor, etc. Amazing. If you can get that help, go for it. Get someone to talk to who's a professional. However, there is so much work we can do from within. There is so much work we can resource from within. When we start being able to hold ourselves in certain ways through suffering that we encounter, when we start becoming aware of the way that we speak to ourselves in our minds, we all do it. We all have a voice in our heads. It's called our thoughts. It's called our thought form. And we have to become very, very aware of it before we can change it because then we know what we're dealing with. So one of the first steps we have in Heroes is guiding and supporting people to really expose how do they talk to themselves in their heads? What do they tell themselves when they make a mistake? What do they tell themselves when they do something perceivedly wrong or fail? What does that look like? What's the tone like? Is it aggressive? Is it harsh? Is it kind? Is it caring? We get them to pick it apart and look at that juicy stuff around. What is this voice? Who is this person? Because it sure as hell ain't you. Mm. That voice sure as hell ain't you. And we support people to get to a place where they can watch that voice and and speak then to that voice. You absolute idiot. I can't believe you did that again. Why did you say that? Okay, that's interesting you're saying that. Let me bring you close. Let me have this inside conversation. So this work that we do within ourselves, that is the most powerful work we can do with the relationship with ourselves. And it's from that place of having a, a more of a harmonious relationship with ourselves that we that we choose the best avenues for us to support our own healing, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's joining a support group, uh, going on a program like Heroes, going to the GP. There's so much, I mean, the wellness field <laughs> and the self-development field, the self-help field is booming 
It's booming right now. Coaching is one of the biggest, most flourishing industries in the world right now, in the Western world right now. It really is. There is so much. If you can't afford therapy, and I'm aware the NHS waiting lists are obscene, quite frankly, right now, we are in a crisis in this country within the mental health system and there's something that needs to be done about it. There really, really is. We're really hoping that Heroes will get rolled out for people on the waiting list for CBT. We're really praying for that at the moment. There's a chance that that might happen in 2024, which would be amazing. But if you can't afford that and you feel like you've got nowhere to turn and you might be on a really long waiting list, please do some research in your search engine. There's so many different forums you can join online. Make sure your social media news feed is positive. My, if I go on my Instagram, these are all just little tools. Of course, they're not going to beat therapy. I'm, I'm not saying they're a replacement for therapy, but if I go on my Instagram, it's motivation, it's inspiration, it's encouragement, it's support, it's high vibe. Anything that doesn't make me feel like that, I unfollow. Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with positive energy. And, and positive people. 100%. Follow coaches, follow therapists, follow psychologists. You know, there's someone called the holistic psychologist that I follow who's amazing. Follow trauma teachers, educate yourself, resource yourself, research attachment theory. That's what I did. You know, I, I, I researched so many different spiritual texts, books. I joined Audible. There is so much we can do to support ourselves, but it's only going to happen. You're only going to do that work from a place where you know you're worthy of it. And the place that you know you're worthy of it is that place where you're able to have that inside conversation and talk yourself through any belief that you are telling yourself that might be the opposite of that. Give us an example of someone that you've helped and really changed uh, I don't want to know the name, but <laughs> what have you seen in terms of their change? Oh, it's just been phenomenal. We've got we've had the most outrageous uh, growth in some of our patients who've been through heroes so far. So uh, we've you know people look different in the last week. All our facilitators say that they say that people walk in that room mm. on the eighth week, they don't even look the same. They're presenting themselves differently. They might have totally changed their whole look or their style or whatever because and the external is reflecting their internal change. We've had many people leave abusive relationships. We had a woman very recently who'd left a 30-year relationship that she hadn't realised was abusive. She didn't even realise she was in an abusive relationship. None of us facilitators told her, but she just started making her own realizations you know because the facilitators in heroes are all coaches we never tell or give advice we ask the questions we support you to look within that's what the way that we run so people come to their own realizations so empowering for them rather than being told you need to leave this relationship never going to work that's never going to work so we've had she's one, at one case recently we've had someone who's lost within two years of uh coming through heroes has lost 11 stone no word of a lie. Within two years, lost it after a lifetime of obesity. I only Ab want to lose a stone. Absolutely. Oh, you'd be fine after week one. Don't you? <laughs> Have a credit. No note guarantee. For the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we've had people reach goals like that. You know, they wanted to lose weight. One of our patients who came through Heroes is now employed by the GP surgery that she came through Heroes in. Um, at Bellbrook Surgery. She's now employed as a patient ambassador, supporting women who've gone through domestic violence like she came to Heroes after going through. Some of the transformations are, they're, they're off the wall, they're off the scale and, and it's just the most rewarding 
thing in the world to see. It really is. It just vibes me up more than anything in the world, you know. And that's the real power of when we, you know, the reason the reason I was able to create this and this goal that I never thought achievable. Sometimes I look at that book and look at the program and I'm like, I can't even believe that I created that sincerely because that's not what my inner, inner child felt that she was capable even or, or anything. But what really got me to that point is when I changed my mentality from what can I get to what can I give? How can I surrender into this life being of service to as many people as possible in that energy, completely of service and fusing that with doing something that I really loved. And I have such a passion for mental health. It runs through my veins because of the, the experiences that I had as a child and the suffering that I've been through. So that fusion there, that being of service and doing something we love, it's a real key to achieving what we want in this world. And again, that goes back to why group work is so powerful, because in that space, you're not only receiving the support, but you are being of service to everyone else in that room just by sharing your story. Finally, um, what is left for you to do, Miranda? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Asleep? So much. <laughs> We're going to the pub, aren't we? I'll have a little nap on here <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. don't mind. Is there anything that you, um, you know, really want to sort of do or have a go at? Uh, you know, where is the future years for you? Yeah, you know, you know, it's really interesting. I'm really living in a space at the moment of complete surrender to faith and trust. Really, really. I mean, we've had some like miracle moments, like when I met you a few weeks ago, this like cra crazy mm. synchronicities that have gone mm. on there. I am in, and this is going back to that point that I made about the suffering might not end in inverted commas, but the faith that we have carries us through. I have so much faith and trust that everything is unfolding exactly as it should. Uh, it's something that I never, if you'd have met me even 10 years ago, that would not have been the case. I was a shadow. Uh, and I live in that faith and trust. So I do believe that the universe is really uh, providing for me exactly where I need to go. Um, there's so much, I would really love to do more work in the media. You know, I know that we have that joint, joint thought around that as well. I'd love to do more work in the media. I love the presenting with the BBC that I've been doing. That's been a complete, uh, just an absolute blessing and a godsend. I'm so grateful for that. It's been really amazing. Um, um, but but my real chief goal in this life, above everything else, is to reach and support as many people who are suffering as possible in this life. That's what I want with the with the program that that I've created, and also through media, through anything I do, I want to be able to support the healing of others. And, you know, the slogan of Heroes is we want to create a movement, not just a treatment. We want to support the transformation of mental health services across the nation. Um, those those services that once really failed me and that I, I do a lot of mental health advocacy work now, they are still failing people, sadly. And I want to look at the positive spin on this and um, I want to take the love for what the change that I do want to occur over the fifth, what I don't. But some of the mental health services, the way they are set up, need changing right now. There's a big call for things that really, really need changing. And I want to get active with that, more active than ever. So there's a lot more mental health activism on the cards for me. Oh, Probably goodness. a lot more talking, even more than I've done today as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, let, you've let me sort of speak now and again. Uh, Miranda, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope moving forward... Because it was a bit freaky how we met, etc. Insane. Um, 
I hope to be working with you a lot more. Love to be part of the action. And you're part on board. Of you're on board as the core heroes and, team. In uh, my opinion, in my opinion, you're on board as a core heroes team because I really trust the universe sends the right people, and I just feel like that. Mm. I feel like this is going to be an amazing collaboration and uh, working collaboration, co-creation, powerful. Let's go for it. Miranda, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me.